0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga A to Fugazi. i I'm your host, Ian James Wright. And joining me on this episode to discuss Back to Bass from the 1995 album Red Medicine is a veteran of Washington, D.C. music and activism who's now located in Philadelphia and playing in a new band called Rainbow Crimes uh, and who also runs a record label called Exotic Fever. Welcome to the show, Katie Otto.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me, Ian.
0: Great to have you on. Um, So I knew you uh, a bit when I was living in D.C. You were in a band called Del Cielo, and we would play shows together from time to time. And then recently I was delving into Fugazi's live series just to listen back to some shows that I attended. And one of them, uh, December 4th, 1998 at George Mason, I was surprised to hear you introducing the band uh, at the beginning as a representative of Positive Force DC, which I guess you guys organized the show. Um, and I don't think at that time I knew you. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, wow, Katie should definitely be on the podcast. Um, so yeah, yeah, nice to have you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yes, I, I I did buy that one for the memories. Um, and if I'm correct, I think it was the one that my band had the honor of um, My very first band had the honor of opening once for Fugazi, my band, Bald Rapunzel. Um, So I think that that might have been the occasion of the show, uh, along with Lungfish at um, Casa del Pueblo.
0: Do you remember anything about that show in particular?
1: Oh, well, one thing that was kind of amazing and funny, I was, of course, really, really excited and nervous, um, and it meant a lot to have this opportunity extended to us. Um, Fugazi often had younger bands in the community uh the punk community in dc open for them and um but it was very uh you know it was the biggest show we'd ever played and probably ever did play um probably the biggest show any band i've ever been in has played um and my mom came and i just remember (laughs) That my mom had met Ian Mackay because he had given a really wonderful donation to her work. She worked at a drug rehabilitation and treatment center, and we had done a positive force benefit for them. Um, and he attended a show and heard her talk about her work, uh, which was doing GED training for people who are in the substance, reco- substance recovery program. Um, and so he sort of anonymously, but uh, she could see who gave the check uh donated uh, so she went and said oh thank you for that and then uh, in front of a bunch of really hip and cool people my mom said oh i just came to the show to see katie's band i can't stay to see your band tonight but i hear you guys are pretty good have a good show <laughs> and i remember being like in my early 20s and mortified and hmm. then she's waving down the hall and bye mr Mackay. nice to meet you thanks again for the gift <laughs>
0: That's that's such uh, yeah. a classic mom moment. I love that.
1: Yeah, I was simultaneously like, wow, my mom is a boss. She just uh, told Ian she couldn't stay for his gig and acted like, I oh, don't know, I gotta get going, gotta get moving, but also horrified, like, mom, you don't say that to ian mckay like i came to the show to see my daughter's band
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's one of those things like i'm sure a lot of us have had moments like that being in bands but you know our our mom comes to a couple of shows and it's you know it's kind of like a semi-hip thing to do but at the same time you're like mom embarrassing (laughs) me (laughs) now that uh i'm i'm a recent father and i'm like i'm constantly looking at things from the other end now like imagining what it's going to be like when she's older it's like am i going to be uh a formerly hip guy who's like a real embarrassment to her.
1: (laughs) You and me both because I have a four-year-old and uh, uh, (laughs) I wonder the same thing. (laughs) Uh.
0: One of the main things I remember about that show um, during Fugazi's set, do you remember this? Or maybe you've listened back to it recently. There's some guy constantly yelling for them to play five corporations. um, And particularly there's this sort of quiet jam in one of the songs they were playing and he yelled out during that. Oh like, gosh. Yes, like, yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. Coming back. <laughs> yeah.
0: And they finished the, the song and Ian's like uh, I'm not gonna play that song tonight because I'm sick of hearing your fucking mouth. You know that? Oh wow. <laughs> it's this It's very
1: uh it's very uh sort of like that's the uncle you don't mess around
0: with it's it's actually very Um, funny i'll um i'll link the the uh that concert in the show notes so people can go uh, download it if they're interested in hearing it but it's a pretty funny little exchange and then they actually (laughs) did wind up playing five corporations like later in the set uh so (laughs)
1: much to ian's chagrin (laughs) Um, he just didn't want to reward bad behavior that's good uh I tried not to reward bad behavior as a parent, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Ian is, uh he's, he's dad to all of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: including that guy, I guess.
0: So could you tell me a little bit about uh, your work with Positive Force DC? Um, what other stuff did you guys do, and how'd you get involved with that?
1: Sure. So um, I first got involved with Positive Force when I was, uh, I grew up in the DC metro area in Prince George's County, Maryland, um, and I was, in high school at Eleanor Roosevelt, which is in Greenbelt, Maryland. Um, uh, we had a Amnesty International chapter and I was the president, uh, my senior year of our chapter. And so got really involved in a lot of the issues Amnesty was working on. And then we decided we wanted to organize a benefit concert for Amnesty. Um, and, but we actually knew a couple of bands. Um, my friend who was involved with the club, Molly, uh, knew folks from the warmers, and we also reached out to Trans Am. But we realized we didn't know a venue in D.C. that was big enough. We weren't really sure how to do a PA. We'd done smaller things at at VFW halls. Um, but basically a few people, um, including the folks from those bands, said, okay, you know, you know what you want to do. Now maybe you could go... Uh, reach out to Positive Force, and they're an organization that exists to sort of free form for people of all different kinds of ages and beliefs, um, but sort of a general, big tent, progressive, leftist, social justice-oriented organization. Uh, they'll be able to help you with what you're doing. So we went to a meeting out in Arlington at the positive force house and we got to know people. Um, we also got to know a lot of the other projects they were doing and we got involved in some of those like percussive protests, uh, around various human rights issues. Uh, we did grocery delivery. So, um, and I know that this still continues through, uh, positive forces, Mark Anderson's, um, org- organization, we are family. Uh, so we would deliver food, um, to low-income seniors in the Shaw neighborhood. Um, and, uh, yeah, just get involved in other kinds of activities. Um, there were also a lot of other organizations that met in the Positive Force House, like Riot Girl DC and Books to Prisons, um, just various social justice projects. So it was basically a great place as a young person to go and meet up with other uh, people who are interested in economic and racial justice, um, anti-sexist work, human rights work, anti-hunger work, and and kind of bounce ideas off of each other, find people to work on a project with you, um, and really build skills and and nurture your creativity as as an activist. So I stayed involved through all my time in D.C., and I still consider it part of who I am, a really big part of how I uh, began to think of music as a vehicle for social change and community building. Um, I think I didn't I didn't realize at first, too, that it was, I mean, I think here and there over the years, people tried to sort of create little chapters in other cities, but really nothing ever was quite what D.C. was um, in terms of longevity. and. And I just thought every place had something like that at first, and I realized that was not the case. So I feel pretty lucky to have been part of it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for your service. Um, that's, that's definitely one of the, the great parts about growing up in the DC area and being interested in the sort of, um, in Fugazi and their, their general orbit of other, uh, related musicians and causes. Uh, it was, it was very inspiring just to see how they, uh, conducted themselves, um, the causes, uh, they got involved in and the, the people around them got involved in. Um, and it, it was great to see there's, there's something more to music. It wasn't, uh, narcissistic and solipsistic there there are people trying to both get involved and and s- both uh separate from the music and through the music also in terms of um in terms of what their the songs are about yeah
1: i think i also as a result a lot of people in dc at that time who did kind of any sort of social justice or social even social service work knew who the organization what uh, knew who the Well, hopefully knew who Positive Force was, but knew who Fugazi was because they played so many benefits. Every time they played in D.C., it was either a rally or protest or a benefit. And so they infused so many resources into organizations doing good work in the community um, that a lot of people who may not have learned of them through the music learned of them through their community work. Pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I have, by the way, reached out to the aforementioned Mark Anderson. Uh, Hopefully he'll be on the uh, podcast at some point. That would be great. Oh, that'd Uh, be awesome. If he is, I'll tell him you said hi.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd be so curious to see what song he gets paired up with. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, uh, would you also like, before we jump into talking about the song, do you want to tell me a little about your relationship with Fugazi? And uh, do you remember where you first heard of them and uh, et cetera?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I found my way into loud angry music by way of uh hole and nirvana so when i was a teenager in the suburbs i got really into those bands then i got sort of aware of and interested in bikini kill which led me to start reading the kill rock stars catalog and got into um chainsaw records and bands like slater kinney um So I was listening to music like that and discovering what punk was. And I had a friend in high school named Isaac who um, uh, made a tape of Fugazi for me and took me to my first Fugazi concert, which was a big um, event uh, at the Sylvan Theater on the mall. And I feel like Chisel opened up, but I'm not totally sure. I know Chisel also opened up for the Cranberries. That was Ted Leo's band, so... I may be mixing that up, but it was a fantastic free outdoor concert with thousands of people. And I'd never seen anything like that. Um, The spirit, the music, the energy, um, and just got really into it, got all their records. And then I remember, um, going to one basement show at a church where the band Norman Mayer group opened up and that band really changed my life. Um, uh, was a band with, at the time, um, uh, it started as a band with three women. Um, when I saw them, they had a, a great guy who was playing drums, but um, uh, Jen Simo and Kathy Cashel were two of the people in that band. Uh, Kathy played guitar and Jen played bass and they both sang and it was so ferocious and powerful and amazing. So I later went to see them at the Black Cat and I it was when Black Cat used to have these $3 backstage shows and I was in college at the time and I, I slinked into this, like, table by myself in the back at the back room of the black Cat, and uh to my to my surprise and uh uh shock uh ian Mackay came in and said oh is this seat taken and asked if he could sit at the table oh wow so <laughs> uh so i looked at him and i said i really love fugazi and he was like oh thanks and i said and i really 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 love norman Mayer group and he got a big <laughs> uh, a big big smile and Um, I said, I discovered them through going to your show and, and it was just, he was really nice. I think it was a great way to meet and we became friends, um, would sort of exchange ideas. And, um, I, I was also at that time playing music, but also beginning to start the murmurings of my own record label. And he was a great mentor and support and just very down to earth person. So, um, I felt like a lot of who uh, at various points in a lot of my different activities and things I was passionate about, he served as an influence um, and a sounding board and my, my child's middle name is actually Ian and part as a nod to him.
0: Oh wow. (laughs) That's great. I'm, I'm not familiar with that uh, band at all. Actually, if you could send me a link later, I'd love to check it out and I'll put it in the show notes. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and they had a, a sort of like a couple of seven inches and then, um, they had a full-length come out as a split release, I think, on Discord. Or maybe it was just on Discord called In Memory of Norman Mayer. But really fantastic band. And Kathy Cashel, um, I wrote—I re- I remember writing her a dorky fan letter. Um, and then later when we became friends, she gave it back to me. And now she's um, the webmaster for my record label's website. And I've put out two of her solo records. And she's been on comps I've put out. So uh, for, well, a, for a, like a dorky fangirl um, dc actually had a lot of really kind hearted people who became mentors and friends
0: uh, <laughs> that's exactly and, the thing like one of the things about dc is um y- you know you-, you grew up being fans you had you had certain heroes that were actually a lot more accessible than heroes you could have a- any place else i feel like and yes, yes before you knew it you could find yourself in the same milieu working or, or playing with those people that you admired so much, and that was—that's yes. always been really awesome.
1: Yeah, It was really important to me too to see so many women um, creating music and running labels and putting on shows. And that it actually was another thing that I didn't really realize was a little special and rare until I, hopefully, always becoming less and less rare. Um, but when I first went on tour, I said, "Oh, it's a little different in other places." So
0: I met. I talked to a lot of people uh, on this podcast who are. You know who have been in bands, and that um, you know, being a fan of Fugazi has informed the way they've they've run the bands, or or like just even if it's like some kind of little thing, um, they've taken influences from Fugazi, musical or non musical. I can imagine. I think you're the first person I'm talking to who actually runs a record label. I can only imagine that the influence is huge there. Um, having like a mentor like Ian Mackay and Discord Records, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think well uh, they put out benefit compilations that inspired me uh of course there are a lot of reasons that I wanted to run my own label and try to do things a little differently one difference is I don't um my label doesn't have the same kind of geographic parameters while I do really think it's cool when labels do have that and but I definitely admired that Fugazi uh didn't work with um contracts I'm sorry I'm, I'm sorry I shouldn't say Fugazi that that um Uh, Discord didn't necessarily, at at least at the time, have contracts um, and uh, just sort of had agreements and understandings and and clarity and transparency with bands about things like royalties or payments for the sales of their music, but was always just not exactly as interested in um, more corporate side of things, I suppose.
0: Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about uh, Discord and Fugazi, it's there are so many things like that where you're like, wait, you can do that? You can operate a record label and not have contracts and everything can work out fine? Uh, it's, it's it's surprising to discover that the sort of things they do can work sometimes. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Back to Bass. It's the first song that we're covering in the alphabetical sequence of this podcast that's from Red Medicine, which... Um, I don't know if you have any general remarks you want to say about that album. That, for me, that's—I um, always say—that's um, probably my favorite album. It was my introduction to Fugazi. I sort of got that album, and then went back and got the earlier stuff, and then sort of followed them up through, uh, up through the argument. Um, yeah. Do you have any major thoughts about Red Medicine?
1: Oh, I just think it's a, a really fantastic album as a whole. I always. Uh... I mean, I prefer to listen to it in the, it's, it's interesting in this day and age with playlists and Spotify and, um, shuffle play. I always listen to that album start to finish in the sequence in which it was created. And I think it has a pitch perfect sequence. I'd probably say "In on the kill taker is m- my favorite, but it's a close second. Um, <laughs> and. Well, this, uh, that, this particular think,
0: song kind of sounds like something from "In on the kill taker to me. It's, uh, it's got that almost, I mean, I don't want to say straightforward, uh, but that sort of classic hardcore punk energy um, from, you know, something like Great Cop uh, or one of those yeah. more hardcore sounds on that record.
1: Well, I think one of the things in my dorky uh, uh, approach to to music that I was geeking out on as I was listening to it earlier today to prepare for this is I, I'm pretty sure that the time signature is a... Is, a quick five, four to four, four. Uh, I was, but I, I could be wrong, but I, I I was, uh, I was kept trying to count like the beginning hook and I'm pretty sure that's what it did. Um, Yes,
0: thank you. I, uh, I wanted to uh, (laughs) ask you about this because you are a drummer and, (laughs) uh, my, my knowledge of time signatures is, uh, touchy at best. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, and I hope I'm not wrong. I kept trying to count the one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four. Uh, so, um, I, I would of course welcome any correction if I did get it wrong. But
0: um, yeah, I was counting it had... ten. It's hard for me to say if it's ten four or five four. But during those main verses, but yeah, that... yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it was a ten four.
0: Oh, that's funny. But then uh, Geez but... guitar intro, I was having a lot of trouble counting that because there's no drums on it. I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening yeah,
1: here? Yeah, it's really until the bass and drums kicked in, I was totally. Lost in the sauce, and I sat here for a while. But um, I think that's that's one of the things that I, I played in a duo for a long time called Trophy Wife. That um, we started in DC, and then when we moved to Philly, we continued the. Well, I moved to Philly, and then later Dion moved to Philly. She's uh, actually now uh, relocated in Maine, so we we're on an indefinite hiatus. But uh, that band um, was very interested in time signatures, and when Dion wrote, I don't think she ever sort of. Explicitly, even tried to write in uh, different time signatures. It just was how she natu- naturally wrote. And I remember the first time I saw her playing, she was playing such interesting timings and chord structures that I thought, wow, that person's uh, music is really, really awesome. Um, and I remember we played a show once, and this guy came up to me and was like, you might want to check out this band Fugazi. And I was like, oh... <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've heard him. <laughs> I mean, it was a little annoying uh, just he, because he then kind of launched into an explanation of who they were. And All right. I was like, yeah, thank you. But
0: it
1: was a nice compliment in a way, yeah. I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, I love uh, sort of atypical time signature uh, changes when done well. Same. But there's that. That being said, there's also something to writing a really killer part in four four. So
0: <laughs> well, that happens in this song too, right? At it, 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 yes, the end, yes. it goes into four four. Yeah, um, and what
1: I love is that the four four comes along with this uh, real dynamic shift of the, and I'm such a I'm such a sucker for the bring it it bring it bring it it the the whole yes. um like crescendo and the going from a quiet part to a loud part and then having that break um well you know
0: and what i like too is... is
1: excellent at breaks which is why it's amazing to me that they have a song called break <laughs> um,
0: but <laughs> and we'll be talking about that one pretty soon um and mm-hmm. yeah during that little breakdown when it goes into four four we've got a classic awesome joe lally bass line it's he's playing like chords or i guess double stops doing strumming his, his bass and it's uh I love that sort of thing. The guitars take a little break; and just let him do his thing for a while before they come back in. Um, yeah, that's a really cool sound.
1: Um, I mean, I mean, of course, as a drummer, Brendan Canty's drum drumming is just exquisite. But one thing that I always love about Fugazi is that it's the kind of band where if I don't, if they were ever to. I, I get a little irked when people say, "Oh, I wish they would just do a reunion." Because I'm like, "You, you never know, y'all. Maybe one day they will, but probably not because people told them to." So that's sort of yeah. how I view that. So <laughs> let Fugazi do what Fugazi thinks is right has always been my. Uh, they, that's,
0: yeah, they they're probably the mad- <laughs> they're probably like, "Wait until nobody's asking for it anymore, and then we'll do it." Yeah
1: yeah they're the they're in charge of their own magic and we're here to enjoy it but but i don't think that they would ever exist as a band with anyone being replaced by another they're they're four equal parts and that is so special to me because i really don't think that that's the case for very many bands any one of them if if you were to try to just plug in a general player you wouldn't have fugazi it wouldn't even
0: no agreed 100 percent. So. although mm-hmm. um the the addition of uh Uh, Jerry Busher is his name, right? Um, Oh yes, the other percussionist. A lovely
1: auxiliary percussionist. Yes,
0: that that led to some really cool stuff at those uh, shows more toward the end of their run. Um,
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Have you ever played with in a band with a second drummer?
1: Uh, I didn't play in a band with a second drummer, but for a long time I taught lessons, particularly to young women, and I had because I'm left-handed, I'm actually uniquely situated to be a dual drummer. With a shared hi hat, so she and I once performed um, at the Black Cat together. We played two songs we made up together for this night. I called uh, to the beat of a different drummer, and it was it was kind of like the bass nights or that they used to have. It was a night dedicated to percussion. Um, so I have once performed with a second drummer, and it was fun. She was like super young too um, at the time. Uh, she's now in her twenties, but she was I think like thirteen or twelve.
0: I have never heard of drummers sharing a hi hat. Did you come up with that, or was that is that an, an existing well, idea? I think.
1: I mean, I mean, I would never seen anyone do it, but because I was left-handed, it just made sense to me. And <laughs> I thought, like, how how cool would it be? And then you could like negotiate who's running, who's you know doing the pedal, and maybe you could have hisses at interesting points. But it was certainly cool, and I'd love to do that again. I'm sure someone's done it before me, but if not, then, Ooh, that'd be even more exciting. <laughs>
0: That's one of the cool things about music. There, there's so many things where there's, you could do some little thing and it would be unique in the world. Nobody had ever done it before. Yeah. And you could be a pioneer in that regard for all I know. Yeah. You are, cause <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's great.
1: It was very cool. She, she also got a Shirley temple at the bar and was with her parents. So nice. it was a very cool night. Shout out to Taylor Derning, my drum student and friend. <laughs> um, but I was also like kind of captivated, I guess. I mean, I sort of always sang along to the little parts that I knew in back to base, but I also read them over again uh, to prepare for this. And it was funny. I was sort of thinking of various feelings that it evoked and what it could mean and be about. And, I don't presume to know exactly what it's about, but I know kind of some of the feelings it evokes in me. I do think it's one of the angrier, kind of heftier songs of the album, even though it is kind of short. It it sort of ends right as you feel like you're getting the flow of it.
0: You seem reluctant to say. Do you have an idea of what you think the lyrics are about?
1: I mean, I guess it just, to me, seemed to be um, musing about things like domination and control, which... I presume given some of the other songs on the album could have something to do with things like governmental control. Uh, I mean, the very, it, it's making reference to autonomy almost being this thing that's hard to get. Um, and then these ideas of, uh, you know, some sort of unseen, uh, people or entities trying to, to come in. I assume when you're exercising your autonomy and do something or take something, um, it makes me wonder what's the base. What's the bringing it back to base? I guess for me, though, when you mentioned the song, uh, how I'll how I'll define the song for myself is I think of back to base as for me growing up in D.C. and music and um, all of the politics uh, and social justice work and the f- ideas of DIY that I learned there. That's kind of my base. But I think in the song they're talking about bringing you back to base if you're deviating too far from social norms or right. what c- controlling entities want you to be part of. So I, I wanted to subvert it.
0: <laughs> so uh. that's, that's a very interesting take because for me, like I, I thought that this was clearly a song about like, um, basically the mainstream media, especially like the 24 hour news cycle. Um, so that's, ah. that's so interesting. Um, that that's immediately where my mind went. Cause there is, there was this like punk tradition of like having songs that criticized mainstream media, you know, you have lyrics like, you know, bringing you, you what they want 24 hours a day. Um, they'll tell you anything. It's speculation, pure speculation. And I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't know if that is what the song is about. It's like that kind of thing where like, I don't know how well those songs have aged in uh, yeah. as we speak in 2019. And, and um, the president is calling journalists the enemy of the people. Um, it's interesting it, to think about. We-
1: Well, yeah, I wonder, too, because I guess I, at that time, didn't really think of news as 24 hours the way it is in my mind now, but I guess it was 24 hours. So I I sort of, like, the way that I thought of it was uh, corporations and even just any force that seeks to, quote-unquote, normalize uh, your behavior, that wants you to not think outside of the lines— So I think that could apply to a lot of things that could apply to media that could apply to corporations trying to sell you things to government structures that want you to think a certain way to educational systems that uh, want to teach you that there is one right way to be. Um,
0: Yeah, that's so true about so many Fugazi songs, right? You can there are lyrics that you can apply to so many things. Um, There are some classic examples that we can all think of. It's like, oh, this song is clearly about that. Um, But yeah, as we're seeing here, there's a lot of room for interpretation. You're right. So when I saw the lines at speculation, you know, I'm thinking of speculation in the sense of like just um, uh, hasty hypotheses. But of course, it could be used in the financial sense of, you know, people speculating on on certain financial interests. Um, Yeah. It could very well be about corporate control or political control. That's so interesting. I mean,
1: you could also apply to anybody who is part of any kind of uh non-normative or uh marginalized uh sexual orientation or identity or gender identity. Uh I just think that's like a very um I a broad net is cast with that song and I appreciate it because I don't know, it hits the general punk notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although as I've as I've gotten older, one thing I've always tried to push back on is any don't trust anyone over 30 as a particularly unpunk
0: uh <laughs> <Sure>. notion. <laughs> well, I think I think one thing that is definitely clear about the song is it's another um Fugazi song that emphasizes that you should think for yourself. Um don't worry so much about what another party may be selling you either, you know, physically or um conceptually. Uh so doesn't matter what age they are or where they come from just uh you know use your best judgment think for yourself is a message i get from several fugazi songs
1: yes and also uh be ready to create your own culture and that's part of why i started a record label was i felt as if i wanted to see more young women control the means of production um
0: sure.
1: and and i i just thought hey i feel like there are bands that i love i think i have good judgment i I think I know what I want to support. And there are also bands that I don't really see having a, a home elsewhere or maybe a, a fit that makes sense elsewhere. Um, so maybe I'm supposed to be doing something here. Um, and when when we started our label, it was my first bandmate I ever had, Bonnie Schlegel. Um, we played in Bald Rapunzel together. And then our friend Sarah Clem. Um, and the three of us did that project together, and it felt really cool uh to to be figuring out how to do it as we went.
0: <laughs> I had one more thing I wanted to bring up just in the music of this song what did you hear when you were listening to it towards the end? there's this weird like almost european siren uh police siren kind of sound
1: yes uh,
0: <laughs> what do you what do you think that is i I, I was thinking maybe. Like, it could be a clarinet, because they do mess around with clarinet elsewhere on Red Medicine. Um, it's just this, like, sort of wailing... Yeah,
1: but it doesn't quite sound like a clarinet. I wonder if it's even sort of a tweaked bass note or keyboard note. I don't know if any huh. sounds like that ever snuck their way. No, maybe you're right. I like your idea better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, I'll, I'll, I'm going to add it to the list of my questions to ask the band if I ever get a chance to uh, interview them.
1: I don't really... I even did a a, cheating, which is, oh, maybe I could see if the band in interviews ever talked about what this song was. I didn't really find it. I don't think in general they were the kind of band that overly explained
0: what their songs were
1: about because a lot of it was evocative. And I mean, I think people pretty much understand what suggestion is about, Uh, but, uh, uh, you know they're not the most didactic band in that sense. I think they're very evocative. I think they paint pictures. I think the coupling of Ian and Guy as lyricists, uh, is really brilliant because I think they kind of do paint with different colors for lack of a better metaphor. Um, I also always love, uh, you know, the one or two Joe songs. Um, one of my favorite fugazi songs is by you which i imagine you'll get to soon but
0: yeah that's uh, that's coming up soon yeah definitely um <laughs> let me know after we uh finish recording if there are some uh, future songs you'd like to be on too because i'm definitely not averse to having people back for another bite of the apple you know oh
1: oh cool <laughs> i kind of okay now i'm just curious your opinion of this for the bring it bring it bring it 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 i was like i think it's two vocals is it a doubled ian or is gee making his way in there too
0: yeah, I I did not listen to it closely enough to break that down. Um Yeah.
1: I am a nerd over here nerding out. So.
0: I I also maybe <laughs> I I think I'm in in my mind I'm conflating it with maybe live versions that I've listened to where Guy definitely like chimes in with some like puntal like little lines in between what Ian's singing there. Um
1: Well, and then it it goes straight into Down City, which I have to just say I know that I'm talking about back to base but the sequencing of that is so brilliant yes. and it kind of fe- it kind of feels like a part A and part B. Yeah. Um and they they very they feel very similar um energetically. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So I just I, I would urge any listeners who are l- visiting Red Medicine for the first time to not hit shuffle play.
0: <laughs> 100%. And yeah, I agree with you with the sequencing, especially like man, those first two songs uh, do you like me bed for the scraping it's like holy shit, what an amazing one to yeah
1: punch. yeah and then they but they get some slow songs in there too it just woven beautifully i think it's it's probably one of my most favorite sequences of any record um so yeah
0: well so just talking about back to base this is the most difficult part of the show which is ratings do you like me do you like me Do you have, if you could, if you had to rate this song uh, in the context of Fugazi songs from one star to five stars, like least favorite Fugazi songs to most favorite, do you think you could give this one a rating?
1: It's like a one star Fugazi song is kind of like a five star any other band song. So just to put that out there to start. Absolutely. I think if if I really was to try to put, and if I was really trying to not make everything four and five stars, you know, if I was trying to do my due diligence of there are some ones and some fives. I think for me, this would be a three.
0: I think that's what I was going to say too. Um, it's, it's definitely not, it's not one of their major works. Uh, It's probably not one of the first songs that I would think of, you know, somebody asks me to list some great Fugazi songs, but you know, uh, if you're listening to it, you know, which is one of the great things about doing this project is, you know, going back to every song with fresh ears. Um, this one really is quite good. And, uh, and I do like it.
1: I, I will say that for me, just so people have a sense of my scale bed for the scraping is an obvious five.
0: That's um, The last person <laughs> I talked to said the same thing. I asked them. Oh that. my gosh.
1: I swear <laughs> I didn't spy on that. And I'm sitting here trying to think of, uh, I think I would say my one is your etiquette, your rules of interaction. And I'm forgetting the name of it just because I don't like the tempo.
0: Right. But I still
1: love that song and um, it's a five compared right? to Yes, yes, thank you. And I still love that song and uh it, you know, if any of the members of Fugazi are ever listening, it's a five compared <laughs> to any other band. Yeah, it's I, feel just like, a one- I feel
0: like I feel like I'm making too, people a- squirm asking them to rate these things. So like, yes. oh, I don't want to say anything bad.
1: And Fug- Fugazi is my favorite live yeah. band. Um my favorite band. I I I actually have a lot of people don't know this but maybe will after this. I have it, they're my favorite band. Um and and of my top two favorite live bands, I also love the band Envy from Japan, who I, who I don't think are a band anymore, but they're amazing. But I have a Fugazi tattoo. Um, well, it's it's kind of a DC tattoo. When I moved from DC to Philadelphia, I got a cherry blossom tattoo that says Bonsoir, Regret, a demain.
0: <laughs> That's great. I didn't so, know that.
1: Uh, yeah, and well, as I get older, I think I see the letters starting to blend a little bit. Uh, but it's my goodbye to DC. But um but DC is always part of me, so uh
0: yeah. I actually I did similar um I left DC to actually move to Korea and uh live abroad for a few years and I got the old uh, DC flag tattoo.
1: Oh nice. Always a classic. <laughs> yeah.
0: I hope hopefully it's not too much of a cliche, but I was like, I feel like it's it's uh it's wonderful iconography.
1: Well it's funny because cherry blossoms are also what I found like a lot of uh People who have kind of uh, quote-unquote girly tattoos, I don't know how to say it, but they're like, oh, I love your pink flowers, and I'm really not a pink – I'm not really a pink flower kind of person, so I feel like I need to explain, oh, this is a cherry blossom. This is a specific uh, thing that uh, has a symbolic meaning to me, but also I feel like it's probably good thinking about, uh, you know – gender and its fluidity and the spectrum that it is to embrace your pink uh flower side any moment too
0: 100 <laughs> percent. i'm i'm all about pink i've i still <laughs> dream about uh getting a pink stratocaster someday Maybe oh that'd be happen. sweet ah, yeah that old uh, yeah. 50s i guess it's 50s shell pink color i love that
1: nice i do <laughs> have to tell my four-year-old though i he's like mommy you have to like pink and i'm like you're a girl and i said no i don't have to like pink and do, do you like pink just think for yourself not if you think you should or shouldn't and he goes well it's okay <laughs> <laughs> i sort of like it i sort of like it
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's going to so. be interesting teaching the teaching the kid about you know gender roles and uh stuff like that um, it's gonna yeah. be one of the many interesting facets of parenting for me, yeah, um, well, I'm looking forward I tip to the challenge.
1: to you in the process.
0: <laughs> <laughs> likewise, right back at you. Thanks. So, Thanks. Uh, I guess it's time for some plugs. Never mind what's the Where can listeners reach you um on social media or whatever, or do you have anything coming up that you want to plug, your bands, your labels, yep. some events?
1: Sure. So next year, my label will be 20 years old. So I think I should do something for that, because that's kind of exciting. Um, And my label is Exotic Fever Records, so you can go to exoticfever.com. I have a new band with my friends Alex and Leah uh, here in Philadelphia. We are a loud uh, space punk band uh, inspired by all kinds of things from Gang Gang Dance to uh, Stranger Things to... Uh, Politics of Liberation and um, uh, we're at rainbowcrimes.bandcamp.com and we have a new CD and tape uh, called We Disappear that's on Bandcamp and I'm about to have physical copies. I just, uh, right before this call, PayPal'd the payment to get them to ship today. So um, that's exciting. Congrats. uh, Thanks. And um, I, I try to write little essays and opinion pieces here and there um I'm on Twitter at exfkaty so exfkaty um, I guess that's my plugs
0: fantastic well thanks again for coming on it's been great to talk to you well listeners as for me you can reach me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com And you can join the Facebook group The Alphabetical Fugazi. And hey, let me know what you think that weird siren sound is in Back to Bass. Is it a clarinet? Is it something else? Uh, uh, Let (laughs) let me know your opinion. And then I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we will be discussing Bad Mouth. Until then, keep your eyes open.